Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon. And welcome to The Brad Report. Warning. The Brad Report contains spoilers. This episode of The Brad Report is brought to you by tea. It's what fancy people drink. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars only and make sure you hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Brad Report. And last week, we discussed the Netflix original film Enola Holmes starring Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, and Sam Claflin. This week, we'll be belly flopping into The Mandalorian Season 1, which can be found on Disney+. And we're doing this in preparation for Season 2 that is coming out on October 30th on Disney+, Plus as well. Uh, this is the first ever Star Wars live-action television show, and it's starring Pedro Pascal, Carl Weathers, Gina Carano, and Juan Carlo Esposito. And we're just going to belly flop right in with a summary. Five years after the fall of the Galactic Empire and the destruction of the second Death Star, a.k.a. the Deuce, we find ourselves following a Mandalorian bounty hunter simply called Mando. Mando, as Apollo calls him. We find Mando on the Outer Rim, and after taking a job from a former Imperial officer, he rescues the creature that we affectionately call Little Baby Yoda. Uh, adventures ensue as Mando is protecting little baby Yoda, and they navigate their way through the dangerous galaxy. Now, Brad, why don't you just go ahead and kick us off with some themes that you saw in The Mandalorian Season 1. Yeah, that was a great summary, Brad. Thank you, thank you. Well done, well done. Yeah. So I think one of the themes that we see in this is a theme that you see pretty much in every Star Wars movie or Star Wars property and that's lineage. Right. And so one of the first questions that we have when we, when we meet this child, this baby Yoda is who is this child? Where did this child come from? Who are this child's parents? Is this Yoda's, uh, you know, like there are all these questions like who's kid yeah, is this, this Yoda's did, kid? Is it Yoda's clone? Yeah. And what people did this thing come from? And so just that, that idea of lineage comes through. And I mean, that's something that Star Wars is always talking about and always, always has going on. Like, who are your parents and how does that matter? And how does that play into the story of your life? And where do you come from? So that was important. Another thing that I thought was really, really prominent in this, this, uh, almost a movie, this season is fatherhood. Yeah. And, it, it comes from like the obvious bond is like between Mando and the child. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even though this wasn't his actual child, there was very clear, like a father son relationship there. Right. You could very clearly see that Mando cares about baby Yoda in a way that you would typically like classify as like a fatherly type of love, like a protective and a, just like this, like willingness to do whatever it takes to make, to make uh, the child safe and secure. And, to just provide for the son. And this theme was just all throughout, but it even uh, came up in like some really funny ways. Yeah. Right. Where like the, the child would mess with Mando in certain ways. Like he'd unscrew the knob on the plane yeah. and, and mess with him and stuff like that. And so it was great. And there's something really special about watching a just like super cool assassin care for this little bitty, like helpless creature, essentially. You know, this creature that can't survive on its own. And you've got this hardened warrior assassin who is t- taking on this mantle of fatherhood. That was really cool. The last one was surprising heroes or heroes that you don't see coming. The show is about a bounty hunter assassin, like we just said, that takes care of a small child. That is not a relationship that you see. Like, it's just not a naturally occurring relationship. It's a surprising one. And then there's also all sorts of surprising heroes in this in this movie, or I keep saying movie, in this TV show. All right, you have a droid that ends up saving Din Djarin at the end of the show, and Din Djarin hates droids. Hates droids, so the whole show. Of course, show. It's, a, it's a droid that saves him. Big surprise there. 
We have Baby Yoda who saves the day multiple times. That and you just the first time you just don't see it coming necessarily. I remember uh, me and you were watching and the first time Baby Yoda shows his force abilities and picks up the mud rhino or whatever. They're yeah, called. the mud horn. Mud horn. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just a surprising hero, and you see that thing all throughout. It's just these heroes that, that don't seem coming or that go against what you would think are their natural tendencies. And like IG-11, especially, he he was at the end of the show, I think Mando says that you're, you're a droid, you're a hunter. I mean, that's what you are. And he goes, no, I'm not. I, I've been reprogrammed. I'm a nurse. I'm a nurse droid. And it's just a surprising hero that comes out of nowhere and goes against what you would expect. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, that's yeah, really great, and yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. I I also saw some other themes of I think it's also across Star Wars is the theme of redemption, sure, and the journey because even the third episode is called the sin, yeah, and episode seven is called reckoning, and episode eight I think is called, called redemption, redemption. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what we see you see, uh, Anakin's fall. Sure. and redemption as Darth Vader. And then you see Ben Solo mm-hmm. doing that as well. And then you see even some unsavory characters like Han and Lando right. having kind of like coming over to the right side or the light side because oh, they're a little bit iffy, but mm-hmm. they have their redemption. And so sure, I think yeah. Mando is no exception. Now we are, I mean, he's a killer. Right. He's yeah. a killer and killed here he is. People. Yeah, killed several people in the first episode. <laughs> and <laughs> cuts, then cuts a man in half. Yeah, if with a door. Right. With a door. So and I think it's really cool to see how this how he's on his journey of redemption. And I think that's also do, uh, tied into the theme of honor and duty. Sure. Especially yeah. that how Mando takes and what's the the main quote from the show that gets repeated over and over again is this is this the, is the way. way. This is the way is that you are called to live up to the expectations mm-hmm. that you have agreed to. Sure. You are and so there are many times where they where they call his honor into question. They he he never takes off his helmet because that's part of the creed and part of their honor as a as a Mandalorian to not take off his helmet. So I thought that was really a really cool take on this high view of honor because we all often think of that as the Jedi. The Jedi have honor. They have these high value systems. And we see the Mandalorian, who is this bounty hunter, this character that's on the fringe in the outer rim. And he holds his honor just in as much high regard as the Jedi would that we see in the prequels Mm. and holding himself to the high standards and, also the ramifications when he's putting the risk of the the tribe or the clan that he's with at risk. So that's one of the things that I I thought was really cool in in seeing that as well as how it plays out with this this baby that he's taking care of that he breaks his honor to save the baby because he sees yeah. himself in that baby. He breaks the code. Yeah, he mm-hmm. breaks the code. So Without any further ado, unless you have some more that you want to add to that. No, I think that's good. I think honor is something that we'll talk about in a little bit as well. But, I, I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that. Like, There's this sense of honor that Mando feels. One is being a Mandalorian. right? When he talks about it, he doesn't talk about his past a whole lot. But when he does bring it up or when it is brought up, he you can you can see just how, how much he cares about that system of uh, that way of life, right, that – that identity of being a Mandalorian means a ton to him. And that honor of living up to what it means to be a Mandalorian, I think plays a huge, huge part in that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get into some storytelling aspects because this is the first, while it's not the first star Wars TV show, right? It is the first, it's almost like live action, live action TV show. And there's only eight episodes. Sure. And part of the format of the show is that there's it's very episodic. And I remember when we we watched all these episodes together, yeah, as they came out for sure, as one does, as one does, the best friend, uh, best friend, yeah. And we, I remember when we got to episode two, and not a lot happened, and we were both kind of surprised. We're like, this is 
it's kind of a slow pace. And it was just kind of yeah. rolling along because he saves Baby Yoda at the end of episode one. And episode two is all about him just getting his ship parts back by interacting with some Jawas, fighting the Mudhorn. <laughs> and it seemed very kind of slow. And like lazily meandering through the path and like, oh, look, what's over there? Oh, some Jawas. That's cool. And oh, yeah, we kind of need to have a cohesive story to wrap up uh, the season. So, all right, well, let's roll back into episodes seven and eight. And oh, we're back on Tatooine. Look how cool this is. And, you know, it was just kind of very, it didn't seem like they were in a rush at all, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I what? <laughs> You're just giving me a face. <laughs> what, what face was I giving? You're just giving me like I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> face. <laughs> I mean, you're right. They didn't. They didn't rush anything, and I. But I thought that was good. I mm -hmm. thought it was okay to take some detours here and there. They they didn't abandon the overall storyline, right? Like the story of the show is still about this child and Mando protecting him and trying to fight trying to figure out what the heck am I supposed to do with this thing now? And the overall show is still about that. And there were some detours, obviously like chapter four sanctuary where they go to the, uh, the village. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. He meets up with Cara Dune and they go there and there's the chapter six, which is the, the prisoner one where he breaks into this, this interstellar space prison, which is pretty cool. So there are detour detours here and there, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I don't mind. It, it, it was a little monster of the week, but that's okay. That's cool. We're getting a live action Star Wars show. We'll get, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Um, so what did you think of kind of like the classic themes or classic tropes? Yeah. So I, so I know a ton of people have like, have talked about this show in terms of being a Western. And I totally see that to me. It was a little more of like a samurai show, and I, I know that like samurai and westerns have like a huge super, influence on George Lucas. And yeah, Star Wars. and like they're, I mean, the tropes and themes that go into one of those goes into the other almost just as well, and so you know, super similar. But to me, this um, it seemed like a, like a samurai show. To me, it seemed like Mando was a Ronin. Yeah, you know, this uh, like samurai without a master, samurai without without like a, a boss or a, a master samurai over him, just kind of a, a sword for hire that goes on its way and has a strong moral code, but it's kind of on his own a little bit there. Some parts of this show reminded me of the movie seven samurai. Have you, have you seen that movie? I mean, I've seen the magnificent seven, which is sure. It's okay. the, yeah. it's the same thing, but it's a Western. Right, right, right. So, it, so chapter, uh, what was the sanctuary chapter? Chapter four. Chapter four, right? So you've got this this group of people have to team up, yeah, to exactly. save the village from this group of group of bandits who go on this like seemingly suicide mission. Yeah, and so you can see like there's not enough guns or weapons, right, and the sure. people are like, the people. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. remind me of Home of Seven Samurai, which uh, Magnificent Seven, Seven is the exact is a remake of right. Seven Samurai, and to me. Mando seemed like a samurai himself, and the Mandalorian culture almost seems a little samurai-esque in the sense of like there is like you talked about a high honor system. Yeah, right. There's a high degree of honor and living up to this this moral and ethical code that they have. This like rigorous code about this is what we do, this is how we do it, and this is the way of the Mandalorian, or this is the way of the samurai, right? And I I feel like you can't talk about this show without talking about Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. Right. The the manga comic Which slash we, movie. We mentioned a little sure, bit in our yeah. Star Wars TV show yeah. podcast. But Lone Wolf and Cub, Cub, just for any Englishes that don't know, it's a it's a super popular manga, um, which is simply like a comic book series that is about this this executioner who's just I mean total like awesome fighter dude who has to go on the run and he is protecting this small child, this his child as he's running and fighting and going from town to town. And it's like, well, I you know, seems like a pretty clear connection to the Mandalorian, right? This awesome fighter who has to protect his child 
as he's going from town to town, or in Mandalorian's case, it's planet to planet. Yeah, exactly. But it seems like it's almost like the same, like it's same concept. Uh, I, I don't. I would be shocked if Favreau or Filoni haven't. If, if oh if yeah, they definitely a big fan of Lone Wolf. I feel like they're de- there's no way that they're at least one of them is a massive not aware fan. of it. Yeah, I feel like one of them's a big fan, and so to me, it seemed like very very samurai. Ask. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, about? no, I thought, I mean, I, yeah, I think you got everything that I wanted to say. And it's just, yeah, there's, we were watching it and you're like, oh, because like when he, in the first episode, when he's on a ranch, essentially mm-hmm. trying to tame sure. this wild yeah, beast, he, you get the, the, cal- the calming of the horse scene mm-hmm. and where the heroes has his touch and bonds sure. with the animal. And you're like, oh, and, I think at that point you said, oh, this is a space Western. Right. Yeah. And we're like, oh, yeah, cool. Like he's a, and we even get like an episode titled The Gunslinger. Right. You know, so I think it's it's definitely there. And he always finds himself on it seems like more often than not on some kind of desert or desolate planet. Mm-hmm. And the. the Sanctuary episode is very almost like samurai in the woods with like it seems like you could replace that with like a bamboo field and sure. it'd be super easy comparison. In what episode was it where he where we first meet the rest of the Mandalorians that are kind of hiding underground? I think it's the the first one we catch a glimpse when one? he when he gets paid initially yeah. and he goes and gets like the pauldron, the shoulder, and we see like He's walking by, but then he returns again in the third episode, and that's when he has that confrontation right. with the one the, that like, I just called, dude. yeah, the bulky Mandalorian. Yeah. And that seemed like very samurai-esque too, just like almost like a den or like a dojo of, of warriors. These warriors who are training and like getting their armor and replacing their weapons. Yeah, and they're dying out. Sure. They're yeah. a dying breed. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, it's really cool. It's super cool thematically when you can take those things that people know so well and like, all right, let's twist it and throw it in space. Right. Which Star Wars does amazingly well. Absolutely. Um, so what is, okay, let, let me, so I know in our outline, outline I have favorite episode. Right. So which episode is your favorite? And then which one do you think is the best? Oh. So which one is my favorite, and then which, which do I think is the best? Hmm. Okay, so I I listed two episodes as my favorites. Okay, because I couldn't choose just one. Yeah, I'm gonna try to. I'll choose one of these as the favorite, and one as the best. But I want it to be known that on the outline it says choose a favorite episode. And I, I I chose both of these. So okay. I, <laughs> I that's the last the last minute curveball by the outline writer, so I apologize. No, no, it's okay. I I'll say that the best episode was chapter three, The Sin. Yeah. Directed by Deborah Chow. Yeah. Just beautiful episode. I mean this episode had everything really had some of the best action scenes in the entire show, right? So you've got the big fight at the very end with the Mandalorians in full armor and the the jetpacks, what do they call them, like little birds or something? Uh, they call uh, them like Rising Phoenix. Rising Phoenix, yeah, like these awesome jetpacks versus all these bounty hunters. They had a big fight there. This is probably the most like emotionally charged episode, or at least for me personally it was. You have Mando saying goodbye to Nick Nolte's character, the cute, Quill, Quill, whatever his name is. Yeah, Nick Nolte. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could almost try want to do my Nick. Try my Nick Nolte, but I don't know if I'll do I it. Just try it. Oh gosh, think, Are the pressure's on. You have to try uh, it now. <clears throat> <clears throat> uh, what is what is one of the lines that he says? This is the way. No, he no, doesn't no, say I, that. I he spoke, says, "I've spoken. spoken. I've spoken. I have spoken. There you go. I have spoken." <laughs> So I've never met a Mandalorian before. Hey. I've only heard the stories. Oh, that hurts my throat. How does Nick good. Nolte do that? That was pretty good, though. Yeah, I think my Emperor Palpatine's a little bit better. I'll give you like seven out of ten for that. that oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. But Mando has to say goodbye to him, who's become this mentor figure for him. But most importantly, this episode, Mando bonds with Baby Yoda, and he commits himself to Baby Yoda. He goes back to save the child, right? 
He recognizes that it was a mistake to turn him in, to hand him to the client. And this episode is titled The Sin, and it's 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 created because on the first the first hand look, you look at it and you think that the sin is turning baby Yoda in, right? As then, but the real the real the sin here that he commits is his sin against the bounty hunters. Is the sin against the bounty hunter code to go back uh, once the job is finished, right? And that's that sin that breaks off that relationship between him and the bounty hunters for good. And you see that with the fight between the bounty hunters and the Mandalorians. But ultimately, that that sin proved his love for Baby Yoda, for, proved his love for the child. And you see, there, at the end of the episode, he hands the little silver knob. Yeah, that he he'd been playing it, with. He hands it to the child, and you can tell in that moment just how. And this is like the crux of the whole show, right? If because we only see this dude's face once in the entire season. In season eight, and yeah, we only Ep- see episode eight. Say, episode yeah, eight, eight. No, no. Yeah. We only see this dude's face once, right? He doesn't have a ton of lines anyways. He's the main character, but he doesn't speak the most, right? So the entire show rests on whether or not we believe that he cares for Baby Yoda or not. And there were, little, there were just little moments in this episode that made you made you realize, like, okay, he genuinely cares for him. Like going back was great, but the end, like that tender moment of him handing the knob to the child. Yeah. It was just so sweet and tender where you're like, okay, he does. He does he, care. He, he loves this little Yoda thing. He yeah. loves this thing. And it makes you believe that. And without that, the rest of the show just it doesn't work. No. And yeah. so Deborah Cho, just amazing job. This That episode is perfect. No, I agree that that one is the best. That's what I have as, as yeah. my best episode as well. Okay, what's your favorite though? So my favorite is definitely... Episode eight. No way. That's yeah, 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 yeah. It, I mean, it's really good. The opening with the uh, the scout troopers. Oh man. That like having just like you hit, see episode seven ends with Quill yeah. dying because he couldn't save sure. uh, Baby Yoda. It couldn't get in the ship, and so ends real heavy. And then it starts real light, which I thought was so. They're they're kind they of shoot. yeah. They can't shoot. <laughs> they're they're commenting back and forth. They're like, hey, did you see it? Yeah, no. It's like, why? And it's like, well, I want to see it, you know? And they're just <laughs> kind of bickering at each other. And then IG-11 comes swooping in sure. and just uh, kicks the crap out of them. Kicks the crap out of them. He's just amazing. And um, he's like, I'm this, I'm that child's nurse droid. I demand that you return him immediately. <laughs> and uh, they're like, what? And so he gets on a speeder bike, goes into town, saves a day. He saves Mando. Mm-hmm. Baby Yoda saves the whole crew with this, like, by force, force stopping, stopping the fire. The fire. Yeah. Um, and you get the real emotional moment and the payoff when, um, when uh, IG-11 is decides to sacrifice himself. Yeah. And Mando is sad. Even though he hated droids, he now cares about this one. Mm-hmm. And even the setup for season two with the armor it's really cool and he the armor knows because it's really kind of baffling that the rest of the characters don't know what baby yoda is doing they don't know he's using the force they don't know that he's kind sure. of belonging to the jedi mm-hmm. and then the armor knows and it's like oh you've got to return him mm-hmm. to and then you you and then to give the space wizards to, to the space wizards sorcerers and of enemy sorcerers <laughs> which is a real kind of strange word that they throw around for jedi sorcerers and then they um he's just like this is the way like this is what you signed up for this is the honorable thing to do mm-hmm. and then you are a clan of two and it kind of like like cements that they are mm-hmm. a family unit together sure. another thing just to like setting up the next season moth gideon such a great villain. Great villain. One, he knows Mando's name, Dinjarin. And Dinjarin mentioned that. Which is like, the first time we hear that name. Right. And Mando's like, he called me by my name. I haven't used that name since, you know. Since I was rescued. Right. And so he knows who Mandalorian is and who this guy is. And also, he has the black lightsaber. The black, the dark saber. Yeah. Which... Oh man, that's so when, cool. When that happened, because uh, had you seen Clone I had, Wars? I didn't know. You, you I, hadn't I seen Clone. Yeah. yeah, you were kind of underwhelmed. You're like, oh, what? 
and I was well. I was just confused. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And I was losing my mind. Right. <laughs> I was losing my mind, and and we were talking about it, and you're just like, oh, I guess I'm gonna have to watch Clone Wars now. And I was like, yeah, I've been telling you <laughs> for a while. So, but yeah, that's. I mean, it's. I think that one's my favorite just because of how it wraps everything up so nicely and sets things up again for season two, which will be coming out at the end of this month. All right, so let's get into some of our favorite characters. Brad, how about you start off and tell us some characters you liked and maybe tell us a little bit why you liked them. Yeah, so this is... Mando's show. Din Djarin is the main character. It's called The Mandalorian for a reason. Right. And when the first few times, like, he doesn't really stand out as amazing to me. Like, when I first was going through my list, I was like, Baby Yoda, IG-11, Moff Gideon, they're super cool and compelling characters. And then I was starting to think more about Mando as being kind of this. He doesn't have a lot of lines. We don't. We see his face just once. And thinking of how he's reflected and mirrored in specifically Baby Yoda and Moff Gideon, not Moff Gideon in IG Eleven. Okay. So, in just one of the things that I saw that is in the, at the end of episode one, there's this carriage that Baby Yoda's in. It opens up, sure, yeah. and there's IG-11 there about to kill him. Right. And at the end of, I think it's episode eight, we finally see, like, we have flashbacks throughout the the season of mm-hmm. Din Djarin's homeworld and what happened to him. And there's this, he's in this kind of shelter, that's closed it opens up up, and there's a droid that's about to kill him and who saves him it's a mandalorian Mandalorian. and how his story how baby yoda's story mirrors his own is that there's also a mandalorian standing there as the carriage opens to destroy the droid and to save the kid wow yeah that's so that's a good point so that was one of the things that i was just like made me appreciate mando more another thing is that and how we see IG-11 be this killer assassin droid, and throughout it, at the end, he becomes a nurse droid, which mirrors Mando's own journey. Sure. He's no longer just this killer bounty hunter, but he's a nurse Mando. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he, and because, like, if it weren't for the fact that we, like, there's a person under there, we never see any, like, skin until... The helmet comes off. Right. And so it's almost like he is a droid in a sense, or he is a machine because he's like, there's not a lot of emotion. There's not a lot going on. And yeah, that was just one of the things that I was just like seeing those comparisons. But yeah, Baby Yoda, super stupid cute. Right. IG-11 voiced by Taika Watiti, Hilarious in episode seven and eight. And Moff Gideon is just menacing. And while he doesn't do anything until really the end, mm-hmm. when he walks out of his TIE fighter with the Darksaber, you believe every single threat that he has, and you believe that he has power and weight behind his words. But those were some of the characters that I really like. What about you? Yeah, that, that was really good, Brad. Those are, those are good points. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I loved all the characters you mentioned. My, I'd say my three favorites are Mando. I loved his story. You mentioned his, like his kind of backstory a little bit. This idea of not being born a Mandalorian, but being adopted into the clan of the Mandalorians was really cool. I thought that was really compelling. This idea that he was a like a transplant essentially mm-hmm. into their adopted into their way of yeah. life was really cool. And I, don't know, I thought that was very moving. And at one point he talked about how like uh Mandalorian, it's not a race. It's a creed. Yeah. yeah. It's like a way of life. It's, yeah. it's like who we are. 
Yeah. I thought that was very compelling, and I thought he did a, a great job of that. And I thought there was a surprising amount of emotion that she got from that character. And I like he, I, just like the subtle. Just like, in his he, voice. Yeah. You know, he, there's something about characters that don't speak a lot where when they do speak, you, you tend to listen a little bit more, right? And so, I don't know. I thought he was a great character. I love I love Baby Yoda, right? You can't not love Baby Yoda. Can't not Super love Baby cheap. Yoda. He is a global pop culture icon now. Yeah. Right? He's everywhere. I just don't want to become a minion, but that's okay. Well, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, hopefully he won't become a minion with just like comic relief and. No, and I've heard I've seen like YouTube videos of like like Baby Yoda songs and stuff like that. I'm mm. like, okay, this is this is a little much. But Baby Yoda is incredibly cute, and it's super interesting. It's such a fascinating character to throw into to this this storyline, right? When we I remember when we were watching and we saw the big reveal at the end of episode one. And you're just like, what? Like, who is this? Like, what yeah, is this? What does this thing? mean? Yeah. Like, there's so much mm-hmm. mystery. Right. What? Because, you know, throughout all of Star Wars, you only see two other creatures like this, right? You see uh, Yoda and Yaddle. Is it Yaddle? Yaddle. Yaddle. And she gets half of a right. scene. We don't know anything about her, really. On the Jedi Council in sure. Phantom Menace. Right. We don't know anything about her. And. Even though we get to know Yoda, we don't know anything about Yoda's past, really. Like, or his species. No, and so like just throwing this character in, and it's just super compelling. Super yeah. Compelling. And the fact that it's 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 force sensitive so much so that even as a small child, it's able to do the things that it can do. A child that is fifty. Incredible. <laughs> sure, that's true. That's true. And I love Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. I thought Moff was a great villain. And that was something that the show felt like it was kind of missing for a little while, right? Like you had him trying to go get the child and trying to get the child back. And I guess you could say there were like many villains throughout the way. Like there are obstacles they had to overcome. Yeah, with uh, Toro, Calican, the prisoners. But there wasn't a a, a big bad, if you will. Yeah. A big bad guy. And Moff came in and delivered that perfectly. Moth is super interesting. The fact that he knows Dunjar and knows who he is. The fact that he has the dark lightsaber, which was originally given to the Mandalorians. I believe it was given to the first Mandalorian on the Jedi, Jedi Council. Council. Right. And then they. Then he died. Then he died. And then, and then it got passed down to the other Mandalorians. So I think it was in the Council, like it was kept as a relic. And uh, then, they, right, then they right. broke in and, and stole it. Because. It's the Mandalorian Darksaber, right? Yeah. And then there's the war between the Jedi and, and the Mandalorians, Mandalorian. yeah. which are referenced in there. And somehow Moff Gideon is in possession of this thing. And it's it's going to be great. Yeah. So, But Moff was, was great and scary. And I think in the in Episode 8, there's a part where the Stormtroopers, you mentioned this, were talking to each other and jabbing each other. I was like, did you hear about Moff? He killed some of his own men. Yeah. Just to make, just to show, like, and still fear. Yeah. And there's how like how frightful this guy was. He killed some of his own men just to accomplish his goal, which is crazy. Just to get a point across. Sure. Yeah. So quick question. Okay. Do you think Baby Yoda is a clone? Because we get hints at it, but there's also a direct line where Mando references it. Uh so to Queel. So I know we have so the hints are the person, the doctor dude, Doctor Pershing, Pershing, yeah. I think is his name. He's got some markings on his shirt that looks like the logo from the yeah clone. on his like shoulder uh, from like the clone from Camino, yeah. yeah. And so I get that. I I took that more as they were taking him there to make clones of him. Okay, not that he was a clone necessarily, but they wanted this child so they could make clones of him because clearly this is a very rare species. Yeah. Uh, but so that's how and, I that. Well, what was the, the, the direct quote, quote that you mentioned? So I didn't catch that. in episode seven, um, after Mando, because Quill sees Baby Yoda in episode two. Right. And then he comes back with the baby in episode three. And Quill says, oh, it hasn't grown much or hasn't grown much. Right. <laughs> and... Mando says, I think it's a strand cast. And strand cast. Yeah. So I don't know. People are like DNA strand and and then Quill's like, No, I've 
I spent time in the cloning facilities. I don't think so. So he could be wrong. He could be mistaken. Or it could be something. Yeah, just like there's so much mystery wrapped in this character. Is Why does Moff Gideon say in episode seven, it's like, it means more to me than you could possibly ever realize. Like, what is what is so wrapped up in this 50-year-old baby, this infant, that has him willing to destroy an entire town and kill his own men and so many people to try and acquire it, hmm. you know? So, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's a clone, personally. Mm-hmm. So you think he's just one of the species that... I think that it's very. I think the the species is very clearly rare. There aren't very many of them in the world, and it's also very clear that they are super powerful in the force, right? So we only know three. We've only seen three, and two they're... of them were on the Jedi Council, and the other one, as a as a babe, is lifting mud horns and stopping like it's nothing flamethrowers and shooting it back on the person shooting them. So they're clearly very naturally powerful. And so I'm thinking that the Empire got word of this, 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 this child somehow, and they're trying to get him to make clones of him. Okay, that's what I took the whole clone business as. Because you said that, that Quill was like, "No, I don't think it is a, a clone," right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he said he worked in some of the cloning facilities or something when he was working for the Empire. Um, yeah. But anyways, so, I mean, there's a lot of questions, and I still have more questions later on about who Baby Yoda is I and who he Will. could be. If yeah. Will doesn't think he's a clone, neither do I. Yeah, exactly. He's an upstanding gentleman. He has spoken. Mind. He has spoken and has said. All right. Who – there's only one character that I really, really disliked in the show. Do you have one before I share mine? Uh, Not – not really. I'm kind of curious to see what you're going to say because I thought all the characters, all the characters that had significance, were really good. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I don't. I was trying to think of who you were, who you were going to say on this. So who, who is it? For me, it's Toro Calican, the gunslinger episode. It's the guy who's the the wannabe bounty hunter that oh, goes. Okay. I mean, he's just. I mean, he's just be like. Sure. I mean, he's total tool. <laughs> sure, this is like if you were like to tier these characters of importance to the story, it's like a D. Yeah, I mean, he's not super important, D but I was just like, oh my gosh. Well, the fact that he, I was kind of frustrated. It's like, hey, he betrayed him, and it's like, yeah, of course. Like when you first like team up, you're like, oh, this guy's gonna betray Mando, you know. But as far as like characters of real importance, there wasn't anybody that I really didn't like or didn't really see their function. But he was just, I was like, gosh, this guy's annoying. Okay, sure. But that's it. Fine. <laughs> I don't care about, about Calican. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Let's move he on. He barely has a page in Wikipedia. Yeah, let's move on. It's a very short page. You didn't live long. <laughs> Went on one job with Mando, did not make it to the end. <laughs> Thus lived and died, Toro Calican. <laughs> okay, so what are some of your favorite quotes? Mm. So, I had a few. This one was great. This one started off the whole show, essentially. I can bring you in warm. I, I can bring, bring you, you in cold. cold. Yeah. So Mando is saying to his first bounty that we see, and it just sets the stage for like who this guy is. Yeah. And just how All business. ruthless and good at his job as mm-hmm. a bounty hunter he is mm-hmm. the next two are ones we mentioned one is i have spoken by quill one is this is the way by the mandalorians and this last one's a little bit of a dialogue and it's between uh mando cara and what's his name grief grief carga yeah, yeah grief. mando and this is at the end and they say it's the dialogue between the three and they go when you're ready to return You'll have the pick of all the quarry, says Grief to Mando. Mando responds, I'm afraid I have more pressing matters at hand. Kara then tells Mando to take care of the little one. 
which grief interjects, or maybe it'll take care of you. Yeah. Well, that was a great, great little summary. And there's another quote. I couldn't find the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of somebody mentioned how the little baby looked help, the little child looked helpless. And man just says he's small, but he's not helpless. Yeah, he's small, but he's not helpless. Yeah, that's so true. That's so good. Uh, yeah, I had you had most of mine. Uh, there's just one that I thought was pretty funny. Okay. Uh, as they're leaving on the lava flow and Moff Gideon circling in his TIE fighter. Okay. And there are just, oh, man, freaking again. <laughs> and uh, they're like trying with their puny little blaster shoot at the TIE fighter. Right. It's not working. No, of course not. And Grief Kark <laughs> turns to Baby Yoda and says, hey, baby, do the magic hand <laughs> And then... He just looks up at him and goes, ah, and waves at him. <laughs> and then he look, he's like, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, I think Moff Gideon's line of just his threatening of, like, the baby is like, it means more to me than you could possibly realize. Yeah. It's just like what he, we don't even know the extents that he's, willing to go no definitely not to acquire it and how threatening that is and right. you, to have a good story you have to have a good villain sure yeah. and he does a great job of it yeah i mean we've talked about that several times on the show like mm -hmm. the villain makes the show oh absolutely and moff gideon is fantastic yeah i mean just that like one throwaway line from the stormtroopers where they mention how he's killed his own men to prove a point if he's willing to kill his own men, what is he willing to do to Mando to get this child? Exactly. You know, this is great. Yeah. yeah. All right. What about scenes? What scenes did you like, Brad? So I think the the one that's obviously that we've already mentioned that stood out is episode three, the sin, where Mando is breaking into the Imperial hideout and rescuing Baby Yoda, just kind of showing it's the when they're pinned down to try and first get the what they is like the bounty in episode one with ig11 you yeah. don't really see him show off his skill right. his versatile skill and kind of like in the opening bar cantina scene of season one you see him you know his versatility his fighting his ingenuity yeah. using all these tools and this scene you really see him his skills shine and how he blows up the wall, how he uses stealth, how he uses his different tools, right. all to save this baby mm -hmm. that he's known for a day, maybe two, three max. And it's so well done. We already talked about that at yeah. length, but it was really, really cool. What about you? So that's I one of your ones. The the fight with the mudhorn was a great scene, episode one, where Mando's just getting the crack kicked out of him by this this rhinoceros mudhorn thing and right when it looks like all hope is lost baby yoda displays his force powers for the first time and picks up the rhino and there's a moment where like mando's just so he's almost confused he's like what is happening yeah you know and he looks at the child and like the realization clicks obviously and he, you know and he's just I mean, the whole thing is stunning. Like, it's just such a stunning moment that you're, even me, I mean, I was like, oh. Yeah, everyone's holding their breath. Yeah. And just, just in so... awe of, because, I mean, he is like, his armor's ripped apart and he's got this tiny little knife. Yeah. And because he's a warrior, he's standing there willing and trying to take this Rhin giant rhinoceros right. down with a knife right and the the child saves him that's great in chapter six the prison break episode, yeah there's this, there's a hallway fight where mando is in the hallway and there's tons of these droid soldiers in there yeah and he kills them all and kills them all very quickly yes he does and it is awesome to watch so much fun to watch him just dispatch these these droids Another episode one scene where Mando, and you mentioned this, but Mando and the IG droid are looking at the child. Mm -hmm. And Mando realizes that this droid is going to eliminate the target, right? He's not going to say, he's not going to bring him back to anything. He's going to kill him. And all you just you hear a blaster shot. 
right? And yeah, you're, and not, you're, you're just zoomed in on Mando's helmet. And, you know, this is episode one. So we don't know, like, how important the child is to the storyline, right? You don't know, you don't know who's been shot or what. And and then you see the droid fall, and you're, you can just kind of breathe this, like, sigh of relief, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, they didn't kill the child. Oh, okay. They didn't kill you the know. adorable little baby. And Mando shoots him before IG can shoot the child. It's a great scene. And, you know, we mentioned it, but when he decides to break code, yeah, commits the sin against the bounty hunters and goes against the child, that's fantastic. Great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And IG sacrificing himself. Yeah, so good. Great scene. And IG saying, like, you don't have to do that. And he's like... And he says, like, say that you'll protect the child and I can default to my right. primary it's protocol. A yeah, it's like, yeah. He doesn't have to, uh, he doesn't have to revert to that protocol yet. Yeah. But he chooses to. He which chooses is really to. And then he says, like, you don't have to be sad. And he's like, I'm not sad. And he's like, I'm a nurse droid. I can tell you're sad. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've analyzed your voice. Yeah, you're sad. Uh, yeah, those are all really good. Like, IG-11 and those those final two episodes. Is- what do you, th- what do you think about the, uh, the helmet scene where he takes off his helmet and cause he's like, I can't let a living thing see my face. And I he's like, I'm not a living thing. Yeah. So it's like, I've never been alive. Right. what do you think of all that? Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, I mean, obviously like we're going to see his face at some point. Sure. And cause that's part of, kind of like the suspense is like people are trying to take off his helmet. People are like asking him to take off his helmet Mm -hmm. and it's a continual, like the woman at the, yeah, she's, she's like, and like Cara Dune is asking him is like, Hey, so like, why don't you take off the helmet? He's like, because if I do, I can never put it back on. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that's it. Why don't you just like stay here and marry that like beautiful widow and like (laughs) with your kid and just like chillax. And even the scene where the widow is asking him is like, wouldn't you, wouldn't that be nice to like stay here and grow up and have a family? And you hear it in his voice and he's like, it would, it would be nice. And it's just like, yeah, I I thought it was a cool scene. Um, Going back to, it's just like, it, it showed that the trust of breaking down is like that this droid is going to save his life. Right. And it's in that moment where, his character begins to change. Is like not all droids are bad, sure. And it was really see a, a moment of growth for him. So let's talk about some things that we thought were done really well in the show. Obviously, there's lots at once, several Emmys. And what were some of the things that you thought were done well, Brad? Everything? I mean, <laughs> I, I thought this is like a near perfect season of TV, at least for, okay. for me. I loved it. I loved, I loved the various amounts of directors they had. We all had their like own unique spin and flair on their episodes, right? I, I was just looking, and you know, my favorite two episodes one was directed by Taika Waititi, and one by Deborah Chow, who's doing his own standalone Star Wars movie, sure. And, and Deborah is doing the Obi Wan Kenobi show, Kenobi series, right? So, uh, but I liked having multiple directors, you know, and I kind of, I guess, is. It's similar to Marvel in the sense of like you have like this one guy or two guys who are like at the helm overall, right? And they, it seemed like John Favreau was the main writer, and, I believe. Yeah. And Dave Filoni is clearly kind of like second in command on most of this stuff. Yeah. But then under them, they had all these different different directors come in and kind of get to put their own spin on it. I really enjoyed that. But yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I thought almost everything was done really well. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, I think to agree with you, I was like, it feels like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It feels like Star Wars. And there's this very palpable feeling that's almost unexplainable when you're watching the original trilogy and any Star Wars movie. The Last Jedi. Well, no, I don't know about The Last <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> 
but there's just like there's adventure there's right yeah there's questions there's all these things you, sure. you want it's like i want to explore this right. world you want and to this... know everything you can know about the child exactly about uh, mando about the uh, about the, moff gideon the client sure. and you're just like who's this guy and he's wearing an imperial medallion and right he still talks in a German accent. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think it feels, it's really, really cool. I think one of the things for me that I, well, I was like, it, I mean, it's still a great show. Awesome. I really enjoyed it. And so I'm going to do as many clarifications as I can. But there were things that I like, thought could be done better. It was like episodes five and six with the, the gunslinger and then the prison kind of seemed like throwaways. I mean, there's the cliffhanger at the end of the the gunslinger where someone walks up to yeah. the the dead body of the assassin that they were in. Like, oh, who is that? And we don't know. Right. You know, they're on Tatooine. Maybe it's Boba Fett. Maybe it's not. Right. We, we don't know. know. And we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. And it's like, and we may be coming back to. Because he didn't kill all of the the characters that he did the prison heist with. No. And so my hope is that they come back in season two as kind of like trying to seek revenge on him. Uh, but those kind of seem like very episodic one-offs. And I think if you're going to do such a short show with eight episodes. And some of the shows like episode two, I feel like was of actual like show time was less than 30 minutes. And yeah, I mean, that's what, like with eight or 10 or even 13 episodes for one season, I think they need to be jam packed with info and things to drive the story forward. And this one was kind of like, all right, episodes one through four, seven and eight for me, it seemed like. But overall, I still love the show. I can't wait for season two. But those were the things I was like, nah, could have done a little bit better. But that's all. So is that fair? You 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 seem disappointed. I mean, you seem really no, let I'm down. I'm not disappointed. I'm not disappointed <laughs> at all. You seem like you're scolding me in your heart. I'm not scolding. <laughs> you. I, I, yeah, no, I'm not scolding you at all. You just I strongly just, disagree. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I don't. I, I think it's okay for a couple episodes to have just random stories in there. Okay. Right. Like, life doesn't always go as like, linear as, as a TV show script. True. So it's okay for like random stories or detours to yeah, take place. Exactly. But all right. Now that we've covered that, let's get into some questions. Uh, this is no longer characterized as the fun question section <laughs> due to some uh, backlash <laughs> we received a few weeks ago. Uh, this is now the questions amount of fun varies section. Mm -hmm. So question number one, how does Moff Gideon know the name of one kid of a planet that he attacked? And how does Din, Jin, Din Djarin know Moff Gideon's name? I think the second part of that question is easier to answer. But I think the first part is a bit more difficult. Or I think there's more to it than just yeah. what meets the eye. I think that, so the fact that he has the dark saber makes me think that part of his job for the for the empire is or was kind of like ridding the world of mandalorians right that he was kind of in charge of like the like mandalore genocide if you will mm -hmm. and so i'm thinking that he probably has a sense or some idea of of maybe all the like notable mandalorians still out there yeah the um, I would think that whoever's in charge of that or wasn't like heading that up for the empire would have like a general sense of like, you know, the, the most important Mandalorians out there right now. And surely like the, the top bounty hunter. Yeah. And the, the galaxy constitutes as an important Mandalorian for sure. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I, I did not think of it like that. I thought, of course there's like, there's no explanation for, this is his family and his was and parents were killed during the Clone Wars. Right. And there's not much of an explanation as to why that happened other than that it's the Clone Wars. There's battles and on fights and planets all the time. Bad stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. bad stuff happens. Uh, yeah. And so I was wondering and I had the question if it's possible that his there was a reason, specific reason 
why his town was attacked and if his parents had some kind of role in um like were they senators were they leaders and were they resisting gideon or were they opposing gideon in some form or fashion where he had an invested interest in seeking to destroy that town specifically now i feel like that's a huge stretch but i was like huh i wonder if there's more history to their relationship like i browse through the internet there's nothing to support my theory on that but that was just i was like huh that'd be something interesting yeah maybe. to see it's just like where he's immediately like that's moff gideon and yeah, I don't I don't know, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So that's just one of the things that I thought. Yeah. You ready for question two? Sure. All right. So what do you think of the rumors of Pedro Pascal leaving the set of Mandalorian season two? Yeah, I mean, I know that you keep up with this stuff a lot more than I do. Are you you typically know about stuff like this before yeah. I do? Um but I don't know. I mean I I hope that they're not true. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. I don't know. I'll say this. And I thought Pedro Pascal was great as the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. But we, you only see his face once in the entire first season. If he doesn't want to do it, they can find another body to put in there. Yeah. It's a very replaceable. It just is. It's a very replaceable position, right? Like within the show, there were two other guys that played Mando several times for different action shots. And you don't know the difference because you literally can't see him. Exactly. So if Pedro doesn't want to attach his name to this, which I don't know why he wouldn't, but if he doesn't find by me, find some else, stick him in the suit and keep rolling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the source of the claims were the super controversial film reviewer. And so in the forums that I've talked about it, People have thought, like, this is ridiculous. There's no way this is true. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Why would you believe this? And I was like, I hope it's not true. But as you said, if it is, he's so easily replaceable. Yeah, just and put, Pedro's great. But yeah, Pedro's great. Just get somebody that sounds like the character. <laughs> get somebody that sounds like him. Yeah. Get You don't even have to just, like, keep paying the stunt guys to do it and then sure. get a voice actor, pay them less to do those things and yeah i think that's what it's going to yeah that's what it's gonna end up being but like here's the thing no one from disney or star wars has denied it maybe they're trying to prevent spoilers but yeah we'll see yeah. uh, all right next question what do you want to see in season two? Oh, so i know that we're getting ahsoka tana yeah a live action version of her, which I cannot, I'm very excited for. Yeah. She is such a great character in Clone Wars. And I think if the live action version is half as good as her Clone Wars version, she will easily like skyrocket up the list of best characters on the show. So very excited for her. I, you know, I, it was very weird watching a, a Star Wars. And I know we got one at the very end, but it's very weird watching a Star Wars property with no lightsabers at all. Mm-hmm. And but I feel like with the introduction of Ahsoka and the fact that the dark saber is in, we're probably going to get a lightsaber fight. Mm -hmm. I I hope that they save that though for the end or make it very special. Yeah. Because I kind of like this whole like no lightsabers, like where not every fight is done by lightsabers, it's more like duels. So yeah, I think because we don't see any Mandalorians in the sequel trilogy of the force awakens right. the last jedi or the rise of skywalker i think that eventually we're going to get to a place where the mandalorian is in possession of the dark saber yeah yeah and maybe even little baby yoda because it's not a race it's a creed we i mean he'll still be a baby but like we mm. see him coming into that creed as well or I mean, I don't think it's likely, I mean, it could be, but I don't think we're going to end the show with them leaving each other. You know what I'm saying? Saying like, we're not going to get a point. Maybe there'll be some like tension where they have some separation from each other for a couple episodes, 
but I don't think this show would end with Mano saying, I'm going to go this direction, Baby Yoda going in another direction with Ahsoka or Luke Skywalker or... Yeah, I don't either. In that way. Yeah, I would think uh, Tamura Morrison, who was Jango Fett, he's been... I think he's coming back as well, maybe as Boba Fett or as Rex, which is going to be super awesome to see him again. Yeah. And I'm just really excited to... Like, just give me more. Like, I want to see what's going on. I want to see, um, like, take a story absolutely anywhere. And I'm just like, take me there. I'm sure. ready and willing to go. Very excited. Yeah. Okay. In the Star Wars universe, would you rather be a smuggler or a bounty hunter? Hmm. That's a tough question. I mean, neither of them are living exactly like safe lives. No. <laughs> you know, like, They're like, not. There's like a high degree of like, just like chance of death regardless. So yeah, I guess I'd rather be the bounty hunter. Okay. Because I mean, if I'm the bounty hunter, I'm assuming I have some sort of like skill in terms of like fighting or shooting or something where if stuff goes sideways, I can keep myself alive maybe a little better than a smuggler could. Yeah. And so I guess I'll go bounty hunter just for the sake of like being able to fight really well. Okay. I kind of took it as the question as knowing my abilities that I have now. Oh. I was like, I would be a terrible bounty hunter. Oh, I see. I see. And so yeah, I was yeah. just like, I'm going to be a smuggler because oh, if there's someone's yeah. like, hey, I need you to go get this guy and bring him here. I'm like, what? <laughs> what if he doesn't want to come? What if he doesn't want to come? <laughs> do, I, does, do I say please? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, so I picked Smuggler just because, like, uh, man, you know, just like, obviously Han has a rough go of it, and he gets himself into a lot of trouble, and he's got to be confident and, you know, just willing to improvise uh, off off of nothing. Just like, all right, you know, never tell me the odds. I'm going to make it work. Right. I'm going to make For it sure. happen. So I picked Smuggler. Okay. Okay. Last question. What are your thoughts? Uh, last question that I have so far. I may throw some other ones at you uh, that I think off the top of my head. What are your thoughts that Disney uh, will be getting away from movies and investing more in TV shows? I mean, if they're as good as this, then sure, pump them out. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm very excited for the the Deborah Chow um, Obi Wan miniseries that's going to come. I think it's only four episodes or something like that. Yeah, but regardless, that's going to be awesome. To see Ewan and, McGregor as yeah, Obi Wan again, Grace, it'd be great. And I, I mean, they're doing the Bad Batch, which would be great. Lando, which would be great, and a couple others. Cassian but Andor. I, I'm rumors of a Mace Windu show. Sure. I, I want a Lando show. Yeah, that would be so great. Hey, make Solo two happen. Throw Donald Glover back in there. I want more of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's. I agree. It's like we are living in a golden age of television. Sure. A-list actors are now turning to do TV shows. Mm-hmm. And because you can get a great and compelling show with great writing, great story. And if you get like also a thing like job security, if it gets picked up for multiple seasons, it's <laughs> like I don't have to go find another movie to do. Right. Sure. Constantly. It's like I've got this show and it's doing great. We won some Emmys like. Come on, Pedro Pascal. Why would you want to walk away from that? I know. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to see what's next. Um, obviously, there's uh, starting a new publishing launch. Star Wars is yeah, of the high, the high Republic. What do they call it? Project Illuminati? Yeah. And Something so it's like, like 500 years sure, yeah. before the events of The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Yoda's still around because right. uh, he's like 900 years old at the end of um, the Return of the Jedi. But I think it's going to be really cool when we get a series, maybe some movies, or flesh out like Knights of the Old Republic right. or like the High Republic era. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun to see that. I agree. All right. Let's get into our overall grades. And the final reflections, Brad. Yeah. What so you got? I I was like, I mean, just kind of what I said before, like, this is a great show. I love this show. I cannot wait for season two mm. and 20, 20 days. Sure. 
from the yeah. time this episode is recorded 21 days and like i was just like man there's only eight episodes just like i just want so much more you know but i gotta be happy with what they give me so i went with a b plus because <laughs> so uh, i was on the fence between a minus and b plus just because it's just like it's so short i'm like you know and i know they're used to doing movies which eight episodes is longer than any um is longer than any single movie that they've done it is and you know they can't because of the effects and all that stuff they can't just crank out 20 episodes so i guess i've talked myself into an a minus um but i'm gonna stand by yeah the a minus okay that's great uh, I'll say this is one of my favorite first seasons of a TV show that I've ever seen. I loved this this show. A plus for me. Okay. Uh, what's the A plus like 98, 99? Uh, I mean, we'll say 98, but, you know, at that point, you're you're still happy. <laughs> oh, for sure. You're for sure happy with the 98. You're still happy. You're so still I'm, happy. I'm going A plus. A plus. Awesome. Yeah, and b- before we go, I just want to say, give a quick shout out to my friend Parker, Parker Hudson, for creating our new intro music. Just sounds great. Thank you so much. Yeah, so thanks, Parker. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of the Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000.